Hi, my name is Sylvia Polini and this is my two cents on entrepreneurship. I personally think entrepreneurship is like being pushed over a cliff and falling into an ocean, yet you don't know how to swim. But you don't give up and drown. You struggle and you hold on and somehow in the middle of the waves, you learn how to swim. Welcome to Young Women in Business. This is a segment under the Twisted Perspective podcast that is dedicated to entrepreneurs, idealists, and innovators. Part of my frustration with coming to Nairobi to visit family was that you take people out to a restaurant and you can never find decent juice. So juice is always added water, it's always added sugar, it's always a concentrate of some sort. Um, it has stabilizers, additives, it's either box juice, and then everyone in Nairobi is addicted to soda. So thank you for coming, Solo. Am I saying it correctly? Solo. Oh my gosh. It's like, solo, it's solo. like pizza. <laughs> Pizza. Solo. Solo. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. All right. Okay. So solo. Yes. Right, so who are you besides, you know, your business before we even get there? Who are you? I am a South African girl. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up in a small town outside of Johannesburg. And I was raised by two educators, a teacher and a headmaster. Wow. I am the first born. I have two younger sisters. So um, I'm told I can be a bit bossy. Uh, my rules are the best. Yes. And the two younger sisters follow my rules. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I set the pace, I set the tone. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that does come with a lot of pressure, which I think is self-inflicted more than anything. Mm-hmm. I think you want to be the best example for your younger siblings. And that's sort of been, you know, a curse and a blessing for me. Um, a person that I've always had to sort of walk the, the line, you know, walk right. walk a straight line. But a blessing in that I've seen how um, a good influence can uh, impact your, your siblings and those around you positively. Mm-hmm. And so I've just tried to sort of do my very best with what I had. Um, education obviously was a huge um, part of our lives because of who who um, raised us, both mm-hmm. both my parents being educators. And I always knew that sort of would um, give me the kind of life I always dreamt of. So, Education, that is? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So, you know, I was raised in a family where you go to school, you get a job, and you sort of get on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, early days, early sort of years, entrepreneurship was never on my radar. You know, my job was to just go to school and to get a degree and to find work. That was sort of it. And then I met my husband in Johannesburg uh, 12 years ago. And I think he taught me a few things and then I taught him sort of a few things. And we just were a cool match. Um, We really um, helped each other work on ourselves individually. Mm -hmm. And he gave me a lot of confidence to try out new things. Things I could, you know, could have never thought I was able to do myself. He sort of always encouraged me and figured, but you're great. You can, if you want to try something, you can. And, you know, so fast forward, uh, we got married. Um, we sort of push our careers. I go into banking um, and, you know, I do really well, but I wasn't always happy. 
you know um and there was just always something missing so usually when that happens i go back to school so it happened before i did a postgraduate degree and then you know got a better job at the bank and then you think okay this is it um this is what i was looking for and then a year two years down the line you get that same feeling again and because of my background and where i was from you figure i need to go to school again i need to study that, that something else exactly exactly mm -hmm. so then i um decided i want to do a master's and my husband and i had a talk about it at length and i was a bit unsure i think just i had reservations whether i could you know do a master's or even get in and he said well you never know unless you try but you're awesome you're great just do it and then i applied at um gibbs business school in south africa it's the business school for the university of pretoria mm -hmm. i got in and that mba changed my life i think that's where everything shifted for me mm -hmm. and so he got an opportunity to work in lagos and I told him, take it. This is probably the one chance I'll get to try something new. So were you, you were married at the time? We were married. And he got the chance to go to Lagos? Correct. And... He would be married, I think, seven years at the time. Oh. Yeah. So he went to Lagos and that's the time you're doing your master's? Correct. Mm. So I said to him, go and we'll work it out. We'll figure it out. How was it like that long distance? How did it work? I think when you have a solid marriage and a solid relationship, you make it work. Mm -hmm. And I would then visit uh, every second month and he would visit the other month. So we'd see each other once a month. And that happened for maybe six months. Oh, yeah, okay. then I moved to Lagos. Mm -hmm. But when I left South Africa for Lagos, I couldn't work in Lagos. Um, work permit issues, obviously. Um, and that's when I seriously started considering um, entrepreneurship. And that stemmed from my experience with the MBA mm -hmm. and what it taught me about myself. And what, what what did it teach you about yourself? That I was more than a, a corporate job, that I had a lot more to offer, that I had a, a social responsibility in terms of um, making a difference in people's lives. And I had to figure out how. I had to figure out what that meant. Um, there was a huge focus on social economics, social entrepreneurship, um, and how SMEs are sort of the answer to the unemployment, the unemployment problem. Mm -hmm. um, so it just challenges you to sort of figure out what your role is in this conundrum. And it's, you know, it's, it's across the continent. It's not just in South Africa um, where those factors are are quite real so not having the nine to five also gave me the headspace to start thinking about these things and um the one mba module that sort of um kind of made me think i could do this was actually the entrepreneurship module mm -hmm. where you had to simulate the starting of a business get a business plan financials and it really helped me think out of the box about what I wanted to do. And so my project for that module was actually 
baby food, organic baby food. Um, the, uh, mind you, I don't have children, but I just thought, I think I sometimes I think I judge my friends for what they feed their kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I can never be honest about it because I don't have my own children. So to so tell by, someone, sorry to cut you short. Yes. So by organic baby food, is that isn't that what people give the babies? Or are you talking minus the the, the nun and minus the? So what for exactly me, it, it was literally a replacement for purity. I don't know if you have purity in Kenya. It's those bottled foods in mm-hmm. it, sometimes it's um it's pureed pureed mm-hmm. um baby food mm-hmm. and it's in a it's in a, a it's in a bottle like a glass bottle and then it's it, it's like those those caps that they use for mason jars uh, it's called purity sometimes it's a mixture a of fruits mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's a, it's like vegetables. So you'll find like a, a pumpkin one or you'll find an apple and pear nice. or you'll find like a carrot and butternut. But it's all pureed. Mm-hmm. But the expiry date on those things is like 2022, 2023. So, so they have so they've been huge, lots of preservatives, yeah. lots of additives because the color has to be maintained mm-hmm. and they have also um stabilizers and i think they might be pasteurized to some extent but i feel that after you've done all that to baby's food how much nutrients are in there so exactly. is it just eating to be full or eating to get nutrients mm-hmm. so i've always judged those baby foods and i thought and the only reason working moms use it is because they just don't have time to puree their own uh, food and so i had this whole business plan around making homemade nutritious baby food but then there is always that that fear that moms won't trust my kitchen they'd rather trust a big corporate who makes purity in a massive factory somewhere um, versus you know my little old kitchen Mm -hmm. and so i thought okay i'm on the right track but maybe babies is not where to start and then that's where sort of I started thinking about what do adults consume and what could I replace um, in their organic. diet. And it didn't have to be organic necessarily mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. in South Africa, it's easy to find organic, not necessarily in Lagos and in Kenya, it's also quite tricky. Mm-hmm. So um, the other part of the story is that my mother-in-law uh, was then diagnosed with diabetes and part of my frustration with coming to Nairobi to visit family was that you take people out to a restaurant and you can never find decent juice. So juice is always added water, it's always added sugar, it's always a concentrate of some sort. Um, it has stabilizers, additives, it's either box juice and then everyone in Nairobi is addicted to soda. And I just thought, <laughs> there must be a reason why. And I think the reason is there's just no healthy alternatives. You can't go to, I won't mention restaurant names, but you can't go to a restaurant, you know, one of these chains, and be sure, sure, sure that there's no water in their juice. Right. Or that they haven't added sugar um, to sort of um, standardize the taste. Because, you know, apple juice today shouldn't taste like apple juice tomorrow because the apples are not identical and people don't get that. People want the same uniform taste. But if you're using real fruit and vegetables, 
um, there should be a variation in taste and there never was in any of the juices I tasted here. And there was just that constant frustration. So mm -hmm. then you're forced to, you know, police your mother-in-law so that she only drinks water um, because she, none of... She, she lived in Kenya. Sorry, she's Kenyan. She's Kenyan. Yes, she lives in Nairobi. Uh -huh. And every time we visit, mm -hmm. there's no... Fresh, fresh uh, juice. Exactly. Yeah, like you that. have to make it at home. Mm -hmm. But you want, when you're around, if it's Christmas, you want to take people out. You right. want to have a good time. So yeah. you go to restaurants, nice and places. There's and there's just no alternative. Mm -hmm. And that became also, a frustration. Um, healthy alternatives to... Um, from from my point of view, like, like I've been trying to eat clean, yeah. honestly. And eating clean is... And drinking clean is actually pretty pricey. If you compare it to, you know, getting... Um, Getting fresh mushrooms yes. from you know um, the ones that have uh, that are in a tin yes. and are really fresh. Yes, I think um, a pack is um, probably a hundred bob or a hundred and fifty bob more yeah. than getting the canned mushrooms. And the canned mushrooms, exactly what you said, they have an expiry date for like twenty twenty. Right. And, you know, right. Yeah. But when somebody is doing their house shopping or whatever, yes. like it always looks simpler. This is cheaper. I'm trying to eat clean. This is a cheaper alternative. I know it's not organic. Right. But it's cheaper. So how are you planning to um, convince people that my thing is organic and I can, I mean, you know, it's, it's a good price I can sell it for, you know, cause I think that's the problem. So for me, I think we, and I think it's, a, it's a human nature. We are not, I think we, we don't plan ahead. Mm -hmm. So you say eating clean is, is expensive, but, um, diabetic medication is even more expensive. So do you want to drink soda because it costs 50 bob all your life and then you're spending thousands every month on my medication in your 40s and 50s? I don't think we have a forward view of our lifestyles. Um, and I think that's what a lot of countries are trying to do. They are trying more preventative measures because healthcare costs countries I mean, in the billions every year. Right. And, you know, how many relatives do we have that um, have died because, you know, families just couldn't afford the exorbitant medical bills? Um, and then those who are fortunate enough, you know, to fly to India, how, how much is flying to India and guys, paying specialists? Guys are doing donations on, you know. Why must summer. I? Why must I donate to you when you never bothered to look after yourself in the past? Why must I pay for a diabetic medication if the diabetes is a direct result of your, your lifestyle? lifestyle? Why? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, so, that's, that's you know, those are difficult questions yeah. we need to ask ourselves. And also, eating clean doesn't mean you have to eat mushrooms. Cabbage is cheap. Skumawiki is cheap. Ndengu is cheap. Arrowroot is cheap. I'm not saying you must eat strawberries and mushrooms and, um, you know, what are these imported uh, kiwi, which is why we try and use local ingredients for our juice you know i'll yeah. never use grapes in my juice because then that height it hikes the price up That's i'll true. never use kiwi in my juice um but there are many local uh, fruit fruits and yeah. vegetables that yeah. are easily accessible that we can use right. just so that the price is not um what's the word um 
hyped up. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, um, you know, I just noticed we haven't even like spoken about how you, um, how you started your juice company. Um, so you said you came when you're doing visits to Kenya at yes. the time you're living in Lagos. Yes. That um, you noticed there's no healthy alternative for Correct. drinks for adults. So how is it that did you start um, Terra in in Lagos Correct. or you started it in we Lagos start, and no. moved to Kenya? What we did is we 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 created the skeleton while we were in Lagos, my husband and I, and mm-hmm. we found um a lady uh, who was nigerian who started a cold press juicing company in lagos in fact in nigeria because she's in lagos and she's in abuja right. she's a former lawyer who also got fed up with corporate and then she had for some reason an agri background i think she used to do law for um agri and farming mm-hmm. so she had a lot of networks in that space and she could source fruit and vegetables easily but she's also Nigerian, so she knows sort of the, the landscape of, of the country. And she started this, but hers was more of a juice bar. And we st- we thought we would partner with her and maybe start here, help her, I mean, rather start in Lagos, help her with her existing business in Lagos, and then uh, maybe look at opening a, a branch in Kenya. But it's a thing we're talking about of of um, a, a, this founder's disease where you don't right. want to give up parts your of business. your business. Mm-hmm. You don't want to let people in. So I think that was an issue for her. Uh, we were happy to invest financially and with our time because I d- wasn't doing anything. And obviously because I had no work permit, I wouldn't be getting paid. It would literally be sweat capital. Mm-hmm. We would give her financial capital, but also we would be happy to work for nothing. She wasn't keen, so then we decided we need to do this ourselves. And then that's when I started doing the trips back and forth between Lagos and Nairobi, setting up the business. Oh, so you wanted to set up the business in Nairobi? Yes. All right. Yes. Why? Why not in Lagos? Why? In, oh, because you couldn't. So I couldn't, right. and I didn't know the the landscape. And also, uh-huh. both my husband and I were foreigners, and mm-hmm. so we would rely on a partnership versus right. starting our own, own registering our own business. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know how things work. Nigeria is tricky, also. Mm-hmm. So we thought having a Nigerian who already had a business like that, it would be an easy thing to just plug into her business, invest in her company, and then help grow that. And then at some point, open a branch in Nairobi. That was the plan. But she didn't, um, she wasn't keen. So then we figured, look, we've got the spare cash. Let's invest in, in Kenya. Because firstly, it's a place that my husband knows. We have family and we can get help. Um, we have feet on the ground who know how things work. Um, so we figured it, it made sense. And I think more than anything, Sylvia, there was a huge gap in the market. You're right. Yes. Yeah. There was, I think at the time, there may have been two cold press juicing companies in Nairobi, you know, versus Johannesburg. I mean, when I was at the bank, I had a choice of up to 20 different cold press juicing brands. So when you say cold pressed, what does that mean exactly? So it's the way in which the juice is made. First mm-hmm. is the machine that is used to to extract juice from the fruit and vegetables. Mm-hmm. But it's also um, the way in which the juice um, is handled during the, the process. Right. So it's it's cold in that the first of all the environment needs to be cold so it can't be in your kitchen 
where you've got your oven on and your microwave and your Why cooker. It, it's uh, for, for us, mm-hmm. we like to keep a clean and sterile environment. So mm-hmm. uh, when we juice, we only juice. If we were to start anything else, it would happen in a separate room or in a separate um, section. So where the juice happens, the fruit and vegetables have to be kept cool at all times. What that does is it re- reduces, because fruit and vegetables, once they've picked, they've been picked, obviously they start to the, decompose um, yes or the, the rotting yeah. mm-hmm. so when you keep everything cold that decomposition process slows down significantly so if you keep your apples in a the fridge they last longer than if you keep them on your counter for example so our kitchen is uh, air conditioned that's the first thing so that we're, while we're washing the fruit and vegetables it's kept cool The second thing is that when you use a juicer, like a home juicer or a blender, what tends to happen is that over time, especially if you're juicing for for resale, over time those blades, they start to heat up. And -hmm. it's almost like you're cooking your fruit and vegetables in this uh, blender or juicer. And when that happens you start to denature the fruit and vegetables prematurely so before you even packaged it you've already started denaturing it that's why oxidation will happen quicker Mm -hmm. so you'll notice if you make your own juice at home you can keep it for maybe two days whereas with our method you can keep it for around six days because we haven't started denaturing it while we make it. That's so interesting. Yeah, traditional, they call them centrifugal juices. Uh-huh. They have the blades. Those blades, as they're spinning, they mm-hmm. start to heat up. Especially if you're sitting in a juice bar and every two minutes someone's ordering a juice, that thing is spinning for eight hours. So, I mean, by hour three four, you're par cooking your, your, um, your ingredients for that juice. And then you'll see um, it starts to brown a lot quicker as well. You know how when you leave an apple out, yes. it starts to brown? That's what happens to the fruit and vegetables in a centrifugal juicer. So all these things, did, yeah. you, did, you, did you learn from the lady in Lagos or you had to self-teach? What happened? So it's all on, it's all on Google, really. Uh-huh. So we, my husband and I have sort of had... Um, an interest in living well and like you say mm-hmm. um, really committed to eating clean so cold-pressed juices were easily accessible when we were living in Joburg we we used to gym we you know made our own granola we ate you know very little carb and is it is it affordable to do that in Joburg I mean it depends where you where you buy if you're buying from Woolworths food mm-hmm. then you're really spending a lot of money um, so it depends how you do it right. yeah but with busy lifestyles you're likely relying on Woolworths foods they have amazing corporate juices they have ready-made salads they have pre-chopped, pre-cut um, f- f- vegetables, um, fruit salads. It's almost like a, it's like, it's like a zucchini on steroids. I mean, they really have everything. But mm. also, what I like about Woolworths Foods, the, the shop itself is, at eight, is kept at 18 degrees. You walk into a Woolworths Foods, you, ne- you need a sweater. Yes. Right. And that speaks to exactly what I'm what talking, talking about. about yes, right. yes. Okay. So... 
and then over and above that when i was looking for a machine a cold pressing machine i actually visited one of the cold press juicing companies in johannesburg and uh, a very nice gentleman he took me through everything and um i then went onto the website where he his machine was bought it's a company called good nature and every single bit of resource that you need to start a cold press juicing company is on that website they have an amazing blog that answers all your questions mm-hmm. um they even have templates for calculating your your costs sort of your manufacturing costs they have um diagrams of the kitchen layout to maximize efficiencies they have um the different types of juicing machines and they tell you which one is suited for which kind of business they have wholesale and retail models for you to look at they have lists of recipes with measurements um as a starting point for you it's all online and it's all free so really google became my friend mm-hmm. at that time just figuring out which which combinations of fruits and vegetables work um which flavors um uh, work well together what can i find in kenya because also i need to figure out which uh, recipes will work for the market that i want to serve right. so it was that and then a lot of then trial and error mm-hmm. um using um some of their their information right because so, it's all geared for the us and the the, uh, the european market so mm-hmm. i had to really um make sure that i tweak it and that it it makes sense in the nairobian context yeah yeah so um at what point did you move from lagos to nairobi so i mean i did this back and forth mm-hmm. for probably a year this is all the whole year you're just trying to set up yes yeah and yes. Uh, so we're finding a place uh-huh. we are uh-huh. then doing the um, renovations a place a place to live a no place for a the place shop? for the shop it's not a shop it's uh-huh. a it's it's a production facility so what was the plan at the time were you planning to live in lagos and have the business in nairobi at or? the time we just didn't know we just wanted to start you had no you we just didn't really have a we didn't have a, a plan of you know what the end game was mm-hmm. we just wanted to start this business but we had enough hands and feet on the ground in Nairobi right to to help us and okay. and it made us confident enough that we could do this on a part-time basis for now mm. yeah so it's one of those things do you think you went all in or do you think you're just like oh, let's try it out and then if it doesn't work we'll you know no we went we all in. in we really went all in uh-huh. and um I think it's the only way anything works is if you if you do it you do it properly. And so I committed myself to doing this back and forth. Mm. Um we had some savings and we threw them all into this um project. We um also got a lot of help from family and when they see how serious you are they they really come on board right, they yeah. really come on board and they help you out yeah i'm always saying like um how you treat your business how you treat your things yes. you treat them with respect yes. with um 
commitment that's how you show people to treat your thing as well you absolutely know? yeah so yeah if so you're, you're doing it half-heartedly mm-hmm. they'll also do it half-heartedly because you're so not true. serious yep. yeah, yeah yeah so you're telling me when you actually you did um your setting up for a whole year and then yes. went what at what point are you like i think we should move to kenya this was in fact it was after we started selling so we started selling i think our first sale was in march mm-hmm. march 2018 and we were um, i think we started at a it was like a market called asenka asenka flea market that was our first uh selling point mm-hmm. and we did and i wasn't here you know everything i planned remotely i have uh, a great production manager shiko and shiko ran with the whole sort of execution so, so i was is shiko uh family member yes so shiko is my husband's cousin but distant but not it's a very close-knit family so even though there's some distance um, they're really pretty close there. yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so we we then entrusted shiko to run with the execution we did all the planning remotely everything i mean can be done on email uh telephonically and um we we had an account in Kenya so any payments that needed to be made can be made you know uh, via online banking from wherever you are so mm-hmm. you know technology really made things easy for us we set up our instagram page started doing you know promotions come through to the market and then she then executed so she did the 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 selling selling on the day mm-hmm. we did really well and then i started going to Nairobi more frequently. I started coming here a lot more frequently and I would spend 6 weeks at a time here. And then I think in June cold season we were still selling. And then we were now being requested to stock certain outlets and then I said to my husband, I think this thing is going to work. Hi guys, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Young Women in Business. I hope you guys collected all the golden nuggets possible, and I hope that you guys will be tuning in next Tuesday, same time for the second half of this particular episode.